Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Dak Prescott finally got his money and ESPN can chill out about Dak Prescott. Dak, 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 it's time for all of this to come down. Take it out. We're going to cram you in like COVID is not in the world. Hey, you kids, get off of my lawn. So I don't give a damn what y'all do. It's good to be around people that know what they're doing. No, zero second thoughts about fall. If you leave campus, you must have a negative test. ESPN has been a tremendous partner. Dion is a tremendous ambassador. I do think that we are the premier athletic conference. When we come to Texas, we're not going to remove our masks and we're not going to pack the stadium. You can't be swag football. There's nothing like swag football. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad to come to you all again. So glad that you have joined us. And if this is your first time checking us out, we certainly appreciate that. And we want to become a part of your podcast menu, as it were. So you can subscribe, like, comment, all of those good things. And those are fun ways to be aboard. And whether this is your first time or not, we always encourage you guys to hit us up at Wade's Word Productions. That's wadeswordproductions.com. You can go listen to past episodes, learn about me and uh, some of the fellas and some of the things that we do, not only in sports, but in music and other endeavors. So that's wadeswordproductions.com. Now, what I set up for you guys also is the 24-hour-a-day sports line, 832-941-6614. You can call and leave a message and uh, ask a question, make a comment, a suggestion, a critique, any of those things, 832-941-6614, leave a message, and you could be a part of the next podcast. And we ask you guys various questions. And one of the ways we do that is through social media. The Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook. Sports Talk with Devin Wade, the group page, and the fan page. So you can like one and become a part of the other. And, of course, on Twitter at Wade's Word. Is that everything? I think that's everything. And I'm talking fast, and I'm excited about it because we have a quick show we want to get to you. I have an opportunity to uh, catch up with Larry the Chatterbox Hill, the voice of the Texas Southern Tiger basketball team that is about to tip off in the NCAA tournament. So we'll talk some NCAA tournament with him. And, of course, the breaking news these days in the city of Houston is that of Deshaun Watson and some civil suits filed against him about some sexual misdemeanors conduct and to talk about that uh, well i'll talk about it but in addition to myself we have a member of the special teams unit eddie robinson former nfl player e rob 50 he will join us and we'll talk about a number of things including his beloved new orleans saints so all that's going on and i'm glad you're here I'm talking fast. I'm excited. I hope you are as well because so much is going on and we're going to try to crank out as much as we can as quickly as we can over the next few weeks, especially as we get back into our routine and you'll have to go back to listen to past episodes to know why we got away from our routine. So with that, let's get into some headlines. 
In headlines, we are just hours away from tip-off of the NCAA tournament after the COVID-created uh, one-year hiatus. The tournament returns. The kids and coaches and players, young men, are sequestered in Indianapolis. All the teams are in Indianapolis. No regional sites, no regional games. And if you want to pick with us, if you want to pick uh, the brackets with us, you certainly can. Just hit us up. You can go to ESPN and look for Sports Talk with Devin Wade, just the initials, S. T W D W, and uh, that should be it. Give you the ability to find the group. If not, just hit us up and or look on Facebook because I did post it on Facebook. So if you guys want to be uh, a part of picking with us, we certainly would love to have you. So you can definitely do that and pick with us. So that and you better get it in because everything tips off on tomorrow so you can make that happen but texas southern is involved university of houston is involved good time for houston basketball and it should be fun for both as the tigers are in the play-in game and that's happening today in just a little bit our guy larry the chatterbox hill will tell you all about that also for the houston rockets pj tucker is no longer houston rocket and that would be more significant if things were more significant with the Houston Rockets franchise. They've lost 18 in a row, including last night, to the Golden State Warriors. And it's amazing how one or two guys can leave and you no longer have an NBA franchise. I mean, it's just like, wow. You talk about a rapid descent into the abyss. The Houston Rockets are not relevant at all in the NBA right now. Not until the NBA draft. So that's the only level of relevance they have. But the biggest story, obviously, is Deshaun Watson. And, of course, he's been in the news all offseason because he wants to be out of here. But the other part of that is he is being sued. A number of civil lawsuits. It was three. It was one, then it was two, now it's three. And probably by the time you hear this, it may be four or five uh, and maybe up to six. So he's being sued by former uh, mayoral candidate here in the city of Houston, Tony Busby. Busby lost to Sylvester Turner uh, in 2019. And uh, he's a high-profile lawyer, a lot of money, money to burn. And he uh, he is suing Deshaun Watson on behalf of uh, alleged victims. And this is about as complicated a, a story as you're going to get in the world of sports. When you start talking about uh, the, the Me Too movement, you talk about uh, alleged misbehavior, sexual misconduct. Uh, and now in the, the lawsuit... And it gets complicated. So let me try to do this as best I can. So in the lawsuit, it says that he contacted a masseuse on Instagram, got with the masseuse, and uh, encouraged her to uh, to touch him, to touch his groin, and then touched her with his penis. Now, this is what is alleged. And now the one... Uh, that came out today, a young lady from, I, I assume a young lady, a masseuse from Atlanta said that he, uh, she was flown in or he flew there. There are a couple of different ones, so I may get these mixed up. But essentially, uh, same sort of thing. He turned around and, uh, again, the allegations are that he forced uh, oral sex, uh, her to perform oral sex on him. So these are some very serious allegations now Deshaun Watson for his part 
came out with the story broke on Tuesday night. Busby uh, posted something on social media talking about oh, men of power can't abuse that power. And he went through uh, several things about him defending uh, sort of the voiceless. Uh, Deshaun Watson said he is a publicity hound, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, um, but he came to me uh, for a six-figure settlement. When he did not get that settlement, he moved forward with this uh, this civil lawsuit. And I, for me, it's not about money. It's about clearing my name. That's sort of what Deshaun Watson has said about it publicly. He has since hired Rusty Harden. If you know anything about Texas law, He's a high-profile lawyer. He's the dude. So you have two big-name lawyers that will be doing battle here. But what does this mean? What What does any of this mean? So, again, no criminal charges. So we are left to – and you. everybody says reserve judgment, reserve judgment, reserve judgment. And, of course, no one ever reserves judgment. We all have our thoughts and our opinions on what we think almost instantly in the court of public opinion. I want your thoughts on that. 832-941-6614. What do you think? Because it's a complicated issue. And this is what... So here, here is where it, it gets even more complicated for me. Because I've had access to athletes for 25 years. And, and, and friend, I'm talking about having friends... And I'm talking about having folks that I've worked with for several years. A lot of NFL guys, a few NBA guys, guys that have played and had high profiles. And you see different sides that maybe the public doesn't see. So when you see these allegations, I mean, obviously, you have to take everything serious and you have to reserve judgment. You really do have to reserve judgment. But I also have been privy to situations where uh, guys that I know, friends or friends of friends, have been accused of some things or tried to uh, be blackmailed or extorted into giving money away. And in some cases, guys have just said, hey, here's some money, go away. Because once an allegation, certain kinds of allegations come your way, once that happens, no matter if you're totally exonerated, subconsciously people still look at you with a side eye like, uh mm. I know she said that that didn't really happen or or they said that she lied, but he had to do something to get into that situation. And sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're guilty, sometimes you are not. It gets very complicated when you're talking about multi-millionaires. And so here's the thing. So with Deshaun Watson, and again, I'm not saying that any of this had anything to do with these allegations. But anytime you post in the newspaper and on every headline and in every story, everybody knows you have a $150 million contract, like it or not, there's uh, some sort of target on your back. Now, conversely, sometimes people with money and power and fame exploit those situations. We don't know what happened here. He could be very well, he could be uh, guilty of some misconduct. And it very well could be a conspiracy. What the only thing that I mean, a couple things on either side of this that makes it complicated. If you did in fact reach out to quote unquote masseuses on Instagram, uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what. That's a whole subculture. There's a subculture within the culture of social media that is not very um, public friendly, <laughs> not child friendly. I don't know how to say this, but the elements out there and those those and again i have i've talked to folks and i know a little bit about some of the things uh, uh some of the motivations for some of the things you see on stuff like snapchat and and tiktok and instagram but it it, it is concerning that you reach out to masseuses on instagram like if i mean if this is true therapeutic I'm a physical therapy or a massage that you need. That's a, a different way of going about it. Um, so maybe that's just poor judgment. Maybe that's not what it was at all. We again, we don't know. Now the other part of that is he does want to be traded. There is a relationship between Tony Busby and the McNair family, and he is uh, he has. Not publicly, but by many accounts, sort of uh, went after the Texans organization. Now, again, you, you now you would have to think that there will be a lot of people involved in the conspiracy here, but the timing is pretty weird, uh, and and I don't think this. I mean, again, I'm not. Saying, look, let me say this: I don't think that there's a conspiracy here, but you can look at some things and say. That doesn't feel exactly right. Now, I'm saying a lot to say nothing other than let's reserve judgment. Let's see how this plays out. But unfortunately, this is already going to cost him. Well, I'm not going to say unfortunately because, again, you have to choose your words carefully here. But definitely this has cost him money off the court already. I would imagine you won't see him on any more H-E-B commercials for a while. And his endorsements will probably be suspended if not eliminated into these things are reserved or resolved rather so we don't know what's going to happen we'll keep an eye on it but i really want to hear what you all have to to say because again i have to be extremely careful about saying one thing one way or the other i don't want to convict him and i don't want to exonerate him but the other part of that is and again, I'm not this. You can't tell people how to respond and what way to respond. But if you've done something to me that sexually violates me, money's not going to fix it. You need to take your ass to jail. If you do something to me that involves me doing something that I don't want to do, that is humiliating and it takes my power away from me the first thing i'm doing the first thing i'm doing is i'm going to the cops now i'm not saying i i wouldn't sue later because i want to bring you down i want to get you in every single way that i can for violating me but the first thing i'm doing is i'm going to the police and, and we don't know maybe some sort of charges will come down the road but so far no criminal complaints no criminal charges this is just about money now, that doesn't mean he's innocent. Doesn't mean he's guilty. So I'm trying to walk as straight a line as I can. With that, I want to do something that I have not done in a while. I am going to clear my throat. Let me clear my throat. 
So what that means is I want to clarify something. I was I misquoted myself. I, I, I didn't misquote myself, but I think I mischaracterized some things in the last episode. And I wanted to clarify those things. So when I was talking about the eyes of Texas and how we have to learn from our past experiences that, that some of the things in our past, some of the emotion, things that we have emotional ties to in our past, some, some great associations, some things that we have wonderful associations with are no longer appropriate once we learn better and do better. And then I was talking about the evolution of the LBGQT community. I think that's right, right? LBGQT, it was one I left out. That was one thing. Uh, and I still probably screwed that one up. But the other part is, I think I characterized myself as some sort of homophobe, which I never was. What A lot of what I was talking about was that in in the locker rooms you tell jokes or you call somebody a, a, a derogatory term meaning homosexual if a guy is uh, sensitive in some ways or if he whatever you know boys will be boys sort of thing and you realize okay you know that could be hurtful that's hurtful that's not appropriate that's not so don't get me wrong i wasn't going around you know i've never mistreated anybody on any level for any any difference that they have so I, I don't i just wanted to clarify that because someone asked me like well what did you do i, I didn't do anything but again in the locker room playing ball or on a school bus and somebody you know the one of the first things you know you'll call somebody the f word or you you know stuff like that and we know now that those things are inappropriate and you you don't want to do i mean and obviously it's taken a long time for society to evolve away from that but i just wanted to clear that up because i am not i was not some sort of person that uh, committed some sort of hate crimes it was just that when you realize okay yeah when i used to laugh at jokes and, and i won't name the comedian there's some high profile comedians that would tell jokes about gays and you know they have certain mannerisms or gestures that they associate uh, that stereotype gay people all of those things that we saw growing up you guys if you're old enough you know that's where i was coming from with that so i just wanted to clarify that so with that i want to get into a conversation that we had with our guy the voice of the texas southern tigers my my brother my boy larry the chatterbox hail to talk texas southern tiger basketball As promised, we are joined now by my brother. This is the heart and soul of Texas Southern Athletics. He's the voice of the TSU Tigers. And, uh, man, you and I, we've gone through so many adventures uh, together on and off of the radio. It's been uh, it's been a wonderful journey, and we've had some great times. And your great times continue as you are in Indianapolis for the start of the NCAA tournament. The Tigers left after winning the SWAG title, went directly from Birmingham, Alabama to Indianapolis, and uh, they're all set to go to play Mount St. Mary's in uh, the opening round of the NCAA tournament. Talk a little bit about the last few days. I mean, from winning the big game versus Jackson State in the semifinals to blowing Prairie View out in the SWAC finals to being zoomed right away to Indianapolis, what kind of whirlwind has it been for you and the uh, Texas Southern Tigers? Well, I know it's been a whirlwind for this basketball team, a whirlwind for me. Didn't get a chance to play Jackson State during the season. We were disappointed about that. 
situation at first. It was Jackson State. They had the COVID, and they couldn't make the trip down to Houston. Then we went to Jackson to play them, and we tried numerous times to get that game while we were there. We stayed from Sunday all the way until Thursday, and we just decided to come home after we made a couple attempts. But And Jackson State and Prairie View wound up being co-champs. And as you know, Prairie View beat us twice in a season. And I really think that things really turned around for Texas Southern. The more they played together, the more better they became and the hungrier that they became. In essence, as far as we feel like no one can beat us in this conference. And we know that Michael Weathers is the straw that stirs the drink, as you would say. But he had other guys that helped him out that stepped up big time. Jordan Gilliam, Jordan Carl Nicholas, Paraland, Texas, by the way, of Houston. Also, the ever-steady Hopkins. He's played a great major role. He seems like he played great basketball in March. He played basketball, great basketball last March. And he picked right up, right back up where he left off and playing great basketball in March again. And also, Yahoo's rosters, along with Galen Alexander. So basketball team has just been locked in and focused. And I really think we took it to purview. Well, first of all, the main motivator was when we beat Jackson State in overtime. That was an incredible finish. That overtime shot by what point about us five more minutes. And after I finally calmed down and realized that, hey, we got him in overtime, this is our game. As the clock wound down to like a minute, you could see the momentum going towards Texas Southern and Jackson State. Looking for answers. I want to ask you. I want to ask you about that call because you've had many epic calls in doing Texas Southern football and Texas Southern basketball. Where does that call, that radio call in the Jackson State semifinal game, where does that rank in, in your mind uh, among uh, your best calls? Is is it the best call you've had? Because again, everybody's talking about it. Is that one of your favorite? Does it make the top ten? A lot of people have called me and told me that that was the best call that they had heard from me. And I was a, I was completely blown away. And when it went on viral, it went Twitter, it went viral. I was really surprised. Shout out to our sports information department, Mr. Ryan McGinney, and his great group of young adults to help put that together to give me some swag. Um, I think that's one of my top five calls of all time. Well, like I said, I enjoyed it. I was listening, and uh, actually, I was, like you, dejected with five seconds remaining. Like, oh, man, this is going to come to an end, and, and you guys will be done, and you'll be back in Houston. And then, you know, five seconds later, you guys tie the game, send it into overtime. Michael Weathers has just been, you talk about this guy, he's been really, really clutch. And you have to believe that he'll be a focal point for the Mountaineers as they try to stop this Tigers' offense from, from really scoring the back. Basketball. Talk a little bit about if they try to take him out of the game, who are some of the other guys you think will step up big or have to step up big for the Texas Southern Tigers? Well, we know Justin Hopkins is going to step up big for Texas Southern. We know our inside presence, they don't have a lot of height. They got like maybe a 6'8 guy, got like a 6'5 guy. We've got Jordan Carl Nicholas. We've got Galen Alexander. We've got Chris Baldwin. We've got Yehudas Rasas. we got some guys that can really do the dirty work. John Walker III, I call him the slinky. He can really do some work in the paint and get down low and get some man ones. Those guys are going to be the X factor. They're not really deep. They play like maybe eight guys, 
and Texas Southern has been built for this situation. Yeah, they say they played some high majors. Uh, they're not afraid. They played high majors before. They played such and such. But that was last year, and this is this year. Their program was shut down for 30 days due to this COVID situation. But right now, Texas Southern is playing some great basketball. They're peaking at the right time. They won four in a row. And we're not looking to turn back around. We're going to challenge them. That's what Coach Johnny Jones said. We're going to be very aggressive on the glass. And we're going to attack the glass. And we're going to be the aggressors. And we're going to make them play our style of basketball. I want to change gears here and talk a little bit about the safety protocols in Indianapolis. Of course, for the first time, there are no off-site regional games. This is all happening in Indianapolis, and you guys are secluded in a way that is almost unimaginable. Talk a little bit about the environment, the safety protocol, what you guys have gone through, what do you have to do day-to-day to function in this in this really secluded environment. We have to test every morning. We test every morning, and we have credentials. Everyone knows who we are with and we have this like this little monitor attached with our credential and it'll tell you if if someone has covid on your team it's like a contact tracing piece of equipment if it beeps red it'll tell that you've been around that person for longer than 15 minutes and you know stuff like that so not a lot of conversation few you know you can see a few coaches conversating uh, I had a chance to see a few people walking through the elevators and through the hallways of the hotel with JW Marriott. And uh, where each floor, there's a team on every, each team has its own floor. So essentially, you guys can you, you can't even really leave your floor or unless you're going to practice, can you leave your room? What is, what's the situation on being in your room or remaining on your floor? We can leave our room and we can go. We're allowed to go to the convention center and the convention center is across the way. That's where they practice. They took the team out to Bloomington and assembly hall on the campus of the university of Indiana. And that's where we're playing. And uh, it's an hour ride. So everything basically is in Indiana. They're playing at Butler, playing at the Hinkle uh, field house of Butler. They're playing, uh, a few other places began had their tournament down here as well. Let me ask you uh, this about this extra time where the kids don't really have an escape. Do you think uh, just with all of that free time just to think about basketball and almost nothing else, is that an advantage or is it a disadvantage? I mean, it, it, when you're sitting there just thinking about I mean, you really can't go anywhere. You can't do much. Is that a, a bonus or a sort of a, a minus for the Texas Southern Tigers uh, leading into this game? I think leading up to this game, kids staying busy. Uh, they're still student athletes, so they're doing their homework and things of that nature. Uh, when uh, not a lot of practice time, we've been watching film. Once we find out who we were playing, they got into Mount St. Mary's and started dissecting film. And we have practice today at the uh, convention center, and that'll be a tune-up for tomorrow. So you're thinking about basketball, but you played a lot of basketball over the weekend, over last weekend. So you're kind of getting your legs back and getting refreshed. These kids have a lot of energy, man. It's not like me or you. <laughs> it doesn't take, uh, they don't need a whole lot of rest. But those guys are anxious to get it, to, they're chomping at the bit to play basketball on Thursday. 
Well, like I said, Coach Johnny Jones has done a, a tremendous job of getting this team prepared, and uh, it's going to be exciting to see what happens. What do you think is going to happen in that play-in game? I think Texas Southern is going to win that basketball game. Michael Weathers and company is going to take care of Mount St. Mary's, and we'll be ready to face our next opponent. The Michigan Wolverines, right? I know. That's what's on the paper. Well, how can folks reach out to you on social media and remind folks how they can hear you call the game on KTSU? Chatterbox, C-H-A-T-T-A-B-O-X, 909. That's my Twitter handle. Also, you can catch me on the flagship station, KTSU, 90.9 FM. That's your community station, The Choice. That's where we're broadcasting the game from on tomorrow. Hopefully you'll have a, a great broadcast. And if and when you beat Mount St. Mary's and you beat Michigan, we'll revisit over the weekend and get ready for the Sweet 16. Let's 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 speak that into existence. Oh, you're gonna have me back on again for two minutes. Great. <laughs> hey, that's great. on that's on the Saturday show. So hey, yeah, I got you. Hey man, we appreciate hearing from you. All right. For past episodes or more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. I guess I failed to mention, and if you don't recognize it already, not only is the voice of the Tigers, he's the voice of the podcast. He does, uh, he's done our drops. You just heard him right there. That's him. That's him. With that, going to take a time out here from our sponsor and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Come back on the other side and hear from our guy from the special teams unit, former NFL linebacker Eddie Robinson. He's our European sports nerd, and this is his time of year, so I'm sure he'll have something to say about that. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. DJ Anna. Welcome back to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. All 
resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Check him out on SoundCloud or on Instagram. And uh, we have some new uh, some new mixes coming uh, from him very, very soon. But if you have music and you'd like it played on the show, the genre doesn't matter. You, If you're a DJ or a fledgling artist and you want your music played, just hit us up. Email us, music at wagewordproductions.com. That's music at wagewordproductions.com. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an entire track or an extended portion of a mix at the end of that episode. So um, I want to uh, remind you guys of something else. Libera Pay. If you want to make a contribution to the web, uh, well, to the podcast and uh, support what we do here, and, uh, just to clarify, if you want to make a contribution, you can go to LiberaPay, L-I-B-E-R-P-A-Y, all one word, LiberaPay, and look for Sports Talk with Devin Wade and make a contribution. This is labor intensive, and we, to do some of the things that we would like to do moving forward, we need your help. We need your support. And if you get any value out of this, if you get any enjoyment out of this, and you're able to make um, just a small contribution, we would greatly appreciate it. And it would go a long way in helping us to develop and enhance our programming and what we do and the quality of the products that we put out and our ability to do even more. Because there are things that I want to do and uh, I have a vision for where we are going and your help will go a long way in making the show better and doing more for us uh, as uh, we can expand and invite more people to the party each and every episode. So that's LeBear Pay. A couple things. I want to get more into LeBron James. I want to get into some NFL free agency. We'll do that in upcoming episodes. Uh, and I do want to talk a little bit more about the Rockets and some Astros stuff as well. Um, but one thing I do want to mention is a huge loss in the world of sports, and that is the death of Marvin Hagler. Marvelous Marvin Hagler. And he participated in a fight in a boxing match, a championship bout that I've watched more than probably any. The two fights that I can think of that I've probably watched more than any other, that one Sugar Ray versus Hagler is one. Although everybody will show you uh, the clips of Hearns Hagler, which was incredible. I didn't watch that live. I saw that the replay of that. But Hagler uh, and Sugar Ray Leonard, I've watched that fight over and oh, I had it on VHS, and I watched it over and over and over again. It was it was it, man. That that was the fight for me. Sugar Ray won the fight. Rest in peace, champ. I'm talking about Marvin Hagler. Rest in peace. But he lost that fight. But, again, a tremendous loss for those of us who absolutely love boxing. The dude was a beast. He was a part of a renaissance. If you go back, all you have to do, and that's what I love about YouTube. If you want to talk about Floyd Mayweather, if you want to talk about these cats out here now, go back and watch that era. Go watch Durant. Go watch Hearns. Go watch Hagler. Go watch uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. Go watch a number of guys in that era. John the Beast Mugabe. You know, even guys that weren't even championship caliber were good, like Sean O'Grady and people like that. I mean, there were a number of guys. Boom Boom Mancini, Aaron Pryor, Alexis Arguello, all of those guys, man. So if you want to sit there and talk to me about Floyd, Go to YouTube and then hit me up. With that, let's get into our conversation. Rest in peace, Marvin Hagler. Please give me your thoughts. Any of my old boxing fans, Errol Wilkes, I know you're a big boxing fan. Any thoughts on that? Hit us up, 832-941-6614. Let's get into our conversation with 
our guy, Eddie Robinson. For past episodes or more content, go to WaysWordProductions.com. Eddie Robinson back aboard. How are you this afternoon? Oh, everything is going good. You know, spring is my favorite time of year. It's almost Aries season for you Aries out there. You know, and yeah, I mean, you know, I must be one if I'm hyping it. So we getting there real soon. Well, my, well I'm Aries, so mine, my birthday's next week. So yeah, I, I'm I'm all aboard with the Aries. It's March Madness. We just had St. Patrick's Day. Texas Southern's about to tip off in a few hours in the NCAA tournament. So a lot of things are good in the world of sports. Anything European sports-wise that we need to know? Oh, man. European sport-wise, we just had Primo Ruggles. He was the guy, since you asked, you know what I'm saying? He was the guy in the Tour de France that lost on the very last day. So now we flip to this year. He is in the Paris-Nice, which is a race from Paris to Nice. Nice is in the south of France. You should know that, of course. Yeah, but anyway... He was winning the whole time. So the second to the last day, it was this guy, and it always happens in cycling. There's a guy that was barely ever won a race, and so he's about to win you know, this day of the race. And then all of a sudden, Primo Roglic comes by and zooms by him and throws his hands in there and says, ah, I'm beating you. And so he won his third stage in the Paris-Nice. So then he has like a minute, a minute you know, advantage to win the whole seven-day race. But then he falls twice and he loses on the last day. So it was kind of like, hey, man, you're trying to beat everybody when you could have let the little young guy win, you know, his first race, and you didn't. So then you wind up losing the whole race the next day. So that's the big thing in cycling. But it's a great time. Formula One just had preseason testing. That's coming along. So for me, I think that's why I love the spring because all of the sports that I like are really kicking in the rare form right now. So how, how frequent does a, a leader of a race fall? I've seen like I've seen I've seen the big like pileups in the Tour de France, but like the leader, you'll never see like the leader falling. Like, well, man. usually if you're the leader, that means you're a pretty good rider. And don't get me wrong, he's an excellent rider. This guy's been winning, he's been tearing it up. Yeah, you know, he's been doing great. But yeah, it, he fell once, and so then his team had to like hurry up and try to catch up with everybody else. But then apparently he fell a second time. So then the second time, of course, the guy who was in in second place, who's now in first place. His team's like, let's go, let's go. So then everybody's on the front just like hitting it, and he couldn't catch up. So, I mean, it was probably about, I mean, the odds had to be like 9 to 1. It was probably about a 90% chance with a one-minute lead that he would win that, you know, he would he would stay within that one minute, and then he would win the overall seven-day race. So, which is a pretty big race. Paris-Nice is a really good race. But the fact that he lost, and the way he lost, it was kind of one of those things. It's almost like that karma thing. Like, you, you, you beat a guy the day before that you didn't really have to beat because you were already up by a minute. And the guy was just like struggling and floundering to get to the last hundred meters. And you just whipped him and threw your hands in the air. And everybody was like, ah, come on, man. You could have let the young guy win. So then the next day he lost it all. So, hey, that's how racing goes. Yeah, and another unfortunate uh, cycling situation. I don't know if you saw this. The former uh, NBA basketball player, Sean Bradley, 7'6". He got paralyzed in a biking accident this week. Or uh, maybe, I, I don't know if it was announced this week. I don't know when it happened. But, yeah, he was uh, cycling, and uh, I guess he was hit from a car, oh, by a car from behind. And now, uh, you remember Sean Bradley, Denver. I yeah, mean, I do, Dallas, absolutely. Dallas played with play with the Sixers and all. Yeah, that I didn't hear that. And that's well, that's the unfortunate part of cycling. And, and really, even the professionals, I mean, you, you know, you talk about the, some of the bravest things to do in, 
in sports, maybe a, a bullfighter, maybe being an NFL quarterback, getting hit as you throw the ball. But cycling, man, those guys are super tough because you do fall a lot. And even the guys who train the professionals, you always hear about a guy getting hit by a car in a training accident or having a bad accident. In some type of way, those guys, I mean, they bounce back year after year. But it, is, it, it can be a very tough sport from the standpoint of having crashes and accidents. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like, I feel horrible for him. And, and but like you said, it happens to a lot of cyclists, and we have to just be more aware on the highways and byways of our, our cyclists that are out there. Because increasingly, you, you're having people, especially like with Peloton. Now people are like, okay, yeah, we're doing the quarantine, we'll do Peloton, but yeah, as soon yeah, as let's I'm take done, it outside, yeah, right. let's, yeah, let's get some fresh air, <laughs> let's get on the bike. And, and, and I would imagine that once this is over, uh, that uh, a lot of folks will take up cycling because uh, precisely because of Peloton. But yeah, also the big news here in the city of Houston is obviously Deshaun Watson. And now there are three civil lawsuits against him for inappropriate touching. A couple of terms where were there where he was alleged to have, have committed a civil assault by touching a massage therapist. Uh, with his genitalia and now there's a third lawsuit where the massage therapist alleges that he forced her to perform oral sex on him so those uh, those things are out there and it happens at a time when Deshaun Watson is wanting to be out of Houston what are your general thoughts I mean you were an NFL player for several years and you've seen a lot of stuff that we haven't been privy to as far as what guys go through as it pertains to stuff like this. Some of some of the things that they've done and some things that have been done to them. What are your general thoughts on what you've seen in this sort of situation with Deshaun Watson? Well, I think in this situation, you, you have to you, you can't just jump on the side of, of either party. I mean, you, you want hopefully that the truth will come out and if it's found to be you know true then yeah deshaun watson should have consequences but if it's found to be untrue the the people who are making these untrue claims should also have consequences what you know to not to just go straight to your question but a lot of times what you do see happen and and does not get reported is that when accusations are made there's never a retraction and there's never consequences for the person who makes the false accusation so hopefully the truth will come out whatever that is now it may be hard to get to the truth if it's just one person's word against the other so i think it's it's hard to get fast to judgment but i mean i think you have to look at a guy's character and not that good people don't do bad things and bad people do good things but if you look at deshaun watson's character it doesn't seem to be in line with the type of person that we assume that he is you know so i'll make all those assumptions but i played in the nfl 11 years i still go to a massage therapist and so I mean, typically, yeah, when you get a massage at that nature, usually you're stripped down to your shorts. And sometimes, depending, I mean, you may not have anything on, but you still are respectful in the way that you put the towels over yourself. And so, and usually, you know, massage therapists, they use sheets and then, you know, you kind of cover yourself up. And so you're respectful with the person, but usually it's a comfort level. So the one thing that, that kind of strikes me strange, and we were talking about it earlier, is that, if it's three, four, or six different people, usually 
I've had what three massage therapists in my whole NFL career. And usually if I change it's because I moved to a different city. Usually if you have a relationship with a massage therapist, you're going to use that same person because from week to week, it's like, hey, this is what's hurting me. So you don't want to have to go, okay, yeah, I have a right shoulder that's kind of painful here. And this left knee is kind of tricky and my hip is, you don't want to have to explain that again and again. So it's like switching doctors, you know, you go into a different dentist every time you, hey, pull up my chart. You know me. I know you. Let's continue where we left off. And it's a week to week thing. And some guys, they go two or three times a week, just depending on your, the injuries that you may have. So the fact that it's like four or five different massage therapists, then that's very uncommon, especially for a guy who's an NFL quarterback who should have a relationship with one person that he's using on a routine basis. So to me, that's kind of odd, you know. Well, like I said, there are a number of things that are odd about the situation. And I do want to get back on that. But I want to ask and emphasize the importance because I know several NFL guys that that really that extended their careers that enhanced their performance to have that masseuse available that physical therapist to kind of work those things out and a lot of times you i've seen guys hire somebody and that person is almost not on call per se but they are like they take priority and they come to where the athlete is and stuff like that talk a little bit about the importance of, and how many guys you knew that really needed and utilized the services of, of masseuses yeah, I mean, when 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 I was playing, it probably wasn't as as prevalent now. I mean, back then they were still serving us Popeyes chicken the night before the game, so it was like the the taking care of your body part wasn't like it is now. But if you go to the way things are now and the way it's progressed, you know, when I, when I finished my career, you know, in the late nineties and then in in, in um, two thousand two, so yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was a routine. Like I had a routine. I went to see a chiropractor on this day. I had a massage therapist on Friday. You know, so it was, and it didn't matter if I felt good or if I felt bad. You know, obviously, if I felt bad, I might have went twice. But even if you felt good, it's like a maintenance thing. It's like changing the oil in your car. It's like checking your the air pressure you know, in your tires. It's something that you do to make sure that you can compete at that level week to week. So it's very common. And now, now today, I, the person that I use is good friend of mine. He's uh, in New Orleans who I've been knowing for a long time, but he works on a lot of NFL players, Saints players, and some other teams. I mean, he has guys who have left the Saints and have went to a different team and he flies to where they are every week to give them the massage. And, but it's more than a massage. It's more like a combination of between deep tissue, massage therapy, and kind of like a chiropractor and where you, you're kind of manipulating the body parts to realign everything so that way you can have the best performance but then also to limit the risk of further injury to what you're treating. So when people think of massage, they're thinking like like you're on the beach in Hawaii and they got like flowers and petals and it's like a little foo foo massage. Nah, this is a deep tissue massage where you're using cupping and stuff like that. So it's painful if, like, if, if I haven't seen my massage guy in a month or two then it can be painful the first time you go because you're actually trying to get all of the soreness out and, and try to get the fascia to lay back down. So it's a lot more to it than what people are just think. Oh, you're getting some cute massage. So, I mean, the sports therapeutic massage is is a business within itself and it's crucial to guys to have that. It's, it's part of the whole training package. It's just as important as rest, as ice and the whole thing in order for you to be able to perform at a high level on a week-to-week -week basis and prevent injury also. Now, I want to go back to Deshaun. What does it say to you that the lawyer came to him first asking for a six-figure financial settlement? Again, that's alleged by Deshaun, that he came to Deshaun first asking for money. Then when he did not receive the settlement, he did go forward with filing lawsuits. What does that say? Does that say anything to you about this particular situation? 
Well, I think it's part of the process. And so I don't I don't think it says that means Deshaun didn't do it, that they're only out for money. And so because if if say if hypothetically if he did do what he's been accused of, then then yeah, he should owe them maybe some financial compensation for the the mental anguish, et cetera, you know, or maybe it should even be criminal charges if he actually did it. So I mean, I don't think you can and that's why I say you can't have a rush to judgment because the victims have rights too. Well, I'm not going to say victims. I'm going to say alleged victims have rights also. So you have to look at it as, well, yeah, if this is 100% true and then they came to him and said, hey, this is what happened, man. You know what happened. You know, and we're actually right and, and not only this, is two other people. And so, hey, you know, we would like a financial settlement because you're wrong for doing this. So then, yeah, so I don't think that would be, you know, unfair if the alleged victims were telling the truth. But just looking at it from the outside person that just the, it, it seems kind of like, eh, okay, so are you more trying to prosecute Deshaun and say, well, hey, you've injured me, so then I want to bring the police into it from a legal aspect, or are you just looking at it like, well, if I get financial compensation, then I'm good. And so it, it's a whole lot of different undertones, of, and, and nobody may ever know the truth if it's just it was just Deshaun and one other person in there. I think the, the thing that kind of troubles me is when you have like three, four, or five people to say, yeah, well, it happened to me too. It happened to me too. Well, you know, they could all be telling the truth or they could or they could all be collaborating on a hoax. And so and we don't know that. And I think that's the hard thing to judge when it's something that was hap that happened behind closed doors. And I don't know how you get to the to the bottom of it to say, because to me, I don't think just because five people say something doesn't mean all five people are telling the truth. You know, all five people could have gotten together to say, hey, we can make more money if all five or six of us say the same lie. And so I don't think you can look at it just one way or the other. But then you can also say, well, if all you know, some people look at it the other way and say, if, if six people say it, then why would they all lie? So it, it, it's, it can go on and on. There's so many different ways you can flip this pancake. You know, it, it's unfortunate that, that the situation is happening for Deshaun, but then it's unfortunate for the alleged victims also. So it's, it's just kind of one of those things that's out there. Hopefully it can be handled quickly. Yeah, and I asked about earlier when I first talked about uh, some of the things that may have happened to your teammates because you, I mean, extortion and blackmail, those things happen in NFL locker rooms. That never, that never is front page news. A lot of, I've, again, I, I know guys that have had situations where, to avoid this sort of uh, sullying of their name, even though they didn't do anything, they went ahead and just say, hey, just here, here's money, go away, leave me alone. Because, again, it does have financial ramifications that don't go away, even if you didn't do it. I mean, once right. you ring that, was, once you yeah. ring that bell, you can't unring it, and that's why I asked the question about things that may have happened to uh, some of your teammates throughout these. Have you ever heard of situations where people uh, lied or tried to, you know, it, it, whether it be paternity or whatever? Have you seen those sorts of things in the locker room? Well, I, I don't think it just happens in the locker room; it, it happens in the real world also. And I, I think, and I was just talking to my son about this. It's like you can work your whole life to have a reputation or a brand and to say who you are and what you represent, but that can all switch just like with the stroke of a enter on the keyboard, you know. And, and so, unfortunately, with the media, it's like once you put something out there, say for example, if if you have you know, a person who's accused of of uh, spousal abuse or or those type of things. Well, once the accusation is made, uh, once they say, "Hey, arrested for you know domestic battery," it could be the very next day. Well, no charges were filed, and it was an argument, and it didn't. No one was actually physically hit, but nobody puts that same 
retraction out. You know, the, the, the way it hits the front page, then it's on the back of the classified when it's like, okay, well, yeah, that didn't really happen. But from the listener, all they heard is like, hey, so-and-so was arrested for spousal abuse. So it doesn't matter whatever happened beyond that. That's the only thing that they hear. And so then they're going to associate this individual who may have been, you know, an upstanding person in the community for 25 years, and they're going to put that with him. And then it's like that connection is always there and it's, and it's hard to break down. So that's that's the unfortunate part. You know, if if this is proven to be untrue, is that you look at all of the front page of the New York Post and this and this and this. Well, the front page of the retraction, like, hey, five women who were alleged victims have come together and said that they did not actually have these violations by Deshaun. It, it, I promise you they won't come with that same type of emergency to, to try to clear a person's names as they, as they come out to vindicate a person. So, I mean, that's that's kind of part of it. When when you sign on to be a starting quarterback and they pay you 25 or $30 million, that's part of what you sign up for. You know what I'm saying? And so you have to always protect your image, you know where you are and, and who you're with, and so those type of things. So I think that's what Deshaun, I'm sure if he didn't realize it, he realizes, realizes it now, is that I have to do everything I can to protect my name and my image as far as, you know, where I go, who I'm with. I mean, you are, you don't want to be paranoid and fearful, but you almost have to be paranoid and fearful to make sure that nobody is, is, is in a situation where they can take advantage of your reputation and your name and the brand that you are trying to you know, put out into the community the type of person that you are. So where does that leave Deshaun as it pertains to a potential trade? Does that affect that at all? Does it expedite it? Uh, does it affect his market value at this point at all? Well, the the whole timing is very interesting. <laughs> Let's just say that. So, I mean, it's like, it's like, man, we were just going through like a lazy spring and, you know, obviously the Rockets are in the playoffs. And, and so, you know, baseball is kind of starting off, but you can't really go to spring training. And so it was just a lazy spring. And then all of a sudden it's like this It's like, bam, wow. You know, the Texans were already, you know, kind of all over the place. But now it's just it definitely puts a, a focus on the on the most um, high profile figure on the team who was in the situation where he was wanting to leave. And now this. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess to me, if I'm a team, if I I mean, if, if I'm a, if I'm a team tr looking to trade for Deshaun and I'm sure you had some teams out there, then obviously you want to have this conversation with Deshaun and you're going to say, hey, man, be up front with us. Is there some legal ramifications that can come beyond this? You know, what type of person? And so you have to judge this can guy's you, character. Can you have that That's discussion the, when he's under contract? Uh, uh, I mean, is that something that would have to be arranged through the Texans? Because obviously, if, he, if he's a free agent, yeah, he can have those conversations. Can you have those conversations when you are, are currently under contract for the Texans? Well, absolutely. Because I think if, if, if I'm a team and I'm proposing this trade package for Deshaun, and I'm going to tell the Texans, hey, man, I want to have a talk with this guy and, you know, but you got to get permission, man, but you don't have to, this. This isn't about contract. This is about you as a person. This is about you as an individual, about these claims that are now being made about you. And we want to know where you stand on it. And we want to look you eye to eye, man to man to say, hey, you know, what is going on here? Is there something here? Is there not something here? Is there something that you need help with in life to help you sort stuff out? Yes or no? Where, where are you at? Because we're we're committing to you in a large way financially. We And you're going to be the face of what we're doing. And we need to know exactly what we're getting into before we proceed with this trade. You know, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that can be arranged, you know, and, and I, if I'm if I'm a team talking about giving up first round picks and players and paying the guy a lot of money. 
I would want to have a conversation with him even before this. But now I would definitely want to talk to him before we execute a trade. So, But I think the biggest thing is you have to look at it, well, from a legal standpoint, it, is there going to be you know, some type of criminal filing? So if there's going to be a criminal filing, then you say, okay, well, we trade for a guy to be the starting quarterback, and, and could he miss four games or eight games or be suspended a year if all of this comes out in a legal format? You know, we, you, you can I mean, you can just go all in the wormhole with this and start going all over the place. So as far as a trade value, just with where we are now, I don't think it hurts his trade value. Of course, if it starts to get into – you know, the DA has filed charges on Deshaun Watson. Well, yeah, then it hurts his trade his trade value. Absolutely. Wanna shift gears and ask you about the New Orleans Saints. I mean, you're a beloved Saints. You knew it for a while now, but it's finally been confirmed since the last time we've had an opportunity to talk that Drew Brees has retired. They've restructured Taysom Hill's contract, which got a lot of headlines, which sort of are headlines for nothing, but we can get into that a little bit. And now Jameis Winston has, be, uh, has been resigned uh, to be uh, presumably the starting quarterback. What are your thoughts? Let's let's wrap up Drew Brees' career. Let's talk a little bit about you're a New Orleanian. You're a native of New Orleans. What did Drew Brees mean for that city for the entirety of his career? Yeah, man, I think Drew Brees was was just a, a class act from beginning to end. And uh, definitely, you know, going through the whole situation with Katrina and, and all the things that the that the city was going through. And then just the history of the Saints of, of not having a whole lot of success or playoff success. You know, to get a guy like Drew Brees to come in there, you know, for more than a decade just to stabilize it. And, and you know, and fans call him Drew Breesy, you know, and so he... I mean, he was a fan favorite, and, and without a doubt, I think he is, you know, the, the face of the New Orleans Saints at this point and will be for quite some time. So I think you can only tip your hat to a guy who, uh, you know, who did it the right way, was a real classy guy, family guy. You know, of course, he, he had the comments towards the end that, that everybody uh, did not like, but you know, he did make amends for it, and I think that's part of it is you have to – when you make a mistake, stand up and be a man about it and be accountable for your actions. And he was. And so I think nobody's going to be perfect. And so when a person makes a mistake and they stand up and take accountability for it, then you have to accept that for face value. And and he did those things. So for me, I mean, he's definitely when you when you talk about the New Orleans Saints, you know, for me as a kid, it was always, of course, Archie Manning and my favorite saint ever was ricky jackson and probably still is but drew Brees is is definitely a guy that's right up there first ballot hall of famer and uh you can always say well you know they only won one championship but we had never won anything before that so for me i take that one super bowl championship and there's a lot of teams that have never won the super bowl and some who have never been to a super bowl so i think to put the new orleans saints in that in that conversation that we have a super bowl champion and 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 just over the last four years, just a perennial win the division, go to the playoffs, and, and always in the conversation of the teams in the NFC. And I think, you know, as, as a fan and as a Saints fan and a season ticket holder, then I'm, I'm, I've, I've, I've always been appreciative of that, that we are relevant in the whole conversation and the structure of the NFL at this point. What did he do in the community? A lot has been made of his of his philanthropy. What did he mean for this? Just the average citizen in, in the city of New Orleans with his with some of the financial contributions and things that he did on behalf of the folks of New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, I think he was he was a guy that that put his money when his where his mouth was, and you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, NFL players. 
you don't really get the headlines when you do stuff in the community. You get the headlines when you do something wrong. You know what I'm saying? And so, and I think the Saints do a good job. I mean, Demario Davis is another guy that that does a lot in the community. So, in, in a city like New Orleans, where it's inner city, a lot of poverty, a lot of crime, a lot of injustice. I mean, you need your sports heroes and your sports stars to kind of step up and to help give people a little bit of hope and some positivity. I mean, to you know, as a kid, you know, of course, I was a, a wanting to be an NFL player all along. So to to meet a Saints player or to go somewhere where it was something that the Saints players was donating, then that was just a huge deal. And so, you know, Drew Brees did a lot of those things, and I'm sure he will continue to do those type of things. And New Orleans is just a, you know, a beautiful city and, and a lot of just great people, but it's it's the people that makes the city. I mean, and I think that's the the culture is what New Orleans always hangs on to, and uh, which is why everybody loves it and, and why I will always love New Orleans also. So does Jameis Winston give you the chance to go to the Super Bowl? Again, a lot of things have to happen. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is gone now. A lot of moving parts. We don't know what the final roster will look like for the Saints. But can Jameis Winston take this team to the Super Bowl? You know, I think um, with the people around him, and I think it, it depends on his maturity level, and I think it comes, it's going to have to do a lot with Sean Payton. The thing about Drew Brees, especially the last three to four years, was his game management. I mean, he was, you know, high-level game management. You know, didn't make the silly mistake um, for the most part. And, and always was able to move the chains and manage the game. So I think if Jameis Winston can take that part, those lessons from Drew Brees, but then also he has a big-time arm and take chances where you can go deep, and go over the top, then I think he has the potential to be that guy who can take his game to the next level. But he has to stay focused, has to play with confidence, but then you have to eliminate mistakes. And I, thought, I think that's the biggest thing with Jameis. It wasn't the greatness. It was the 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 awful mistakes that he was making. So if, if he can be more uh, in the middle quarterback with some great spikes, and you, you, you can't be super super good and super bad all in the same time so i think if he can be more consistent that's going to be the, the big thing about james winston you're a big time talent you can make plays but realize that you're on a, on a on a playoff team that you have players around you so don't feel like you have to make every play sometime it may be uh, a third down or you're or you're in the red zone and you throw it away and kick the field goal as opposed to force it into triple coverage and you throw in an uh, interception in the end zone. I think those are the type of things that he'll have to learn, which he should know them, but then you have to actually execute them and show the coaches like, hey, yeah, you know, I could have did this, but I laid off because hey, we're in a situation where we're up by 10 points. For us to punt at this point is not bad. There's only eight minutes left in the game. But if I throw an interception on our own 30-yard line, hey, that could kill us. You know, so you have to have to and, – and all of those things have to go through your head in milliseconds while you're out there on the field to understand the immediate situation and the big picture of where we are in the football game. Before we get out of here, ask you about the Houston Rockets. Losers of 18 straight. Now P.J. Yes. Tucker yes. is gone. Great job. Keep it up. Keep it up. Why? You want the number one pick? <laughs> I don't want the number one pick, but I was. So I did some research. Me and my cousin was talking about this. Hey, they should tank. They should tank. And I was like, Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's you know, get to that that ninth and tenth spot with the playoff play in game. Ah, you want that? So, but but what the the situation is, and so I looked it up. If the Rockets get picked one through four, we get to keep the pick. 
But if they don't have pick one through four. Hold on, you're signing muffles. So I want you to be clear about that. Let's say that again. Now repeat that again. If if they if, if the pick is protected one through four, but if they don't get one through four, what happens? Right. So the picks protected one through four. So in the best scenario, the Rockets get pick one through four. Right. But if we don't get pick one through four, say we get five, six or seven, then what happens is my as the OKC, they'll get the top two picks out of the Rockets pick, Miami's pick and their own pick. So potentially. And then, so it would be weird and horrible if this was to happen. <laughs> Say if the Rockets had pick five, because the, <laughs> the top five players in uh, in the draft are the ones that everything. They say it's like you know the top five or like potential superstars, and then it's a big drop off from six after that. So really, you just want you want to be in the top five. If you and, and I'm just reading this, I'm not. I've, I haven't probably haven't seen half of these kids play, but apparently any of the top five players is a good pick. You know, who knows which one will be the next Michael Jordan? It's impossible to tell, but all of the top five are good. So potentially the Rockets could get pick five, which means that pick would go to OKC. But then OKC. If they miss and get in the lottery and don't make the playoffs, they can also potentially get pick one or two. So they could get like pick two and pick five or pick one and pick five, which would be great for OKC. Horrible for the Rockets. So the Rockets, <laughs> what we need to do is to lose as many games as possible because I think right now, if where we are sitting at, uh, with the third or fourth worst record, that is like a 52% chance that we would get pick one through four. But if we keep winning, of course, that, that decreases and decreases. So part of it is the odds, and you just want the odds to be in your favor as much as possible. So, I mean, hopefully... At this point, the Rockets need to keep losing whatever that takes. I mean, you, you, I mean, it just it just makes franchise sense, you know. What I'm saying <laughs> to give yourself that best opportunity, and yeah, you would like to get pick number one. I think that's the kid from uh, Oklahoma State that everybody's raving about. But if you get pick one through four, then you're good because you don't have to lose that pick to uh, OKC potentially. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. But I, I think it's the the most excitement. Where I haven't been to one Rockets game. I've Probably haven't even watched a complete Rockets game, so I think I'm already fast forwarded to next season. But it'll be great if we can have one of the the, the young stars coming into the league and kind of to see how we can evolve and to get the Rockets back to uh you know to playoff contention. Yeah, well, it's gonna be a miserable fall or spring for the uh, Houston Rockets fans until uh, until that the selection uh, that the uh, draft picks are, are allotted. So yeah, well, gonna- so what so what are you doing? Are you are you rooting against James Harden right now? Or are you are you rooting for James Harden? Do you, do you now I care would, about James Harden? What do you think? By and large, I always root against these teams that are self-assembled, where they just get together and like, hey, man, yeah. I'm going to come play with you. And, I mean, that goes back to LeBron, to Durant, to Durant again, <laughs> to Kyrie Irving. So I generally root against that because, I, you know, and I know – the, the, you want your players to have power. I get it. I, you want the players, and and I want the players. But you also, if you want any fan loyalty at all, you want your team to have an opportunity to put a a, a team together. You don't want it dictated by the players all the time. But I mean, I understand that you want uh, the, you want labor to have as much power as possible. But I don't like the fact that these guys don't want to beat each other. They want to team up with each other and make these super teams. And and, and I go back to like a team like Golden State. 
that was built organically. And again, this winning the championship before Durant got there. Then Durant jumped in and made them a, a even a better super team. Uh, so those are the kinds of teams that I, I, I tend to root for. But everybody's doing it now. LeBron started the trend, and that's what these guys are doing. So no, I'm not rooting for for them. I, I, mean, I you know, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I would hope that maybe um, maybe the Milwaukee Bucks or somebody can represent the East. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like a, a Miami kind of team, which, again, you have a superstar that joined the team with Jimmy Butler, but you had a lot of talent that you developed within the organization with, you know, guys like uh, Tyler Hero and uh, and Bam Adebayo on, on those guys. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm not – yeah, it's not – it's hard to root for James Harden. He's not – even though he's a great guy for the city of Houston – yeah, but he's he's not a uh, he he's not a big personality guy. That I mean, KD isn't a big personality guy either. I, I don't think you know a whole lot about KD. But I I think you know, of course, LeBron James started it, of course. And to me, I think LeBron James just you know that the whole I'll take my talents to South Beach. I think that trickled all the way down to Little League football, <laughs> yeah. where you have you know coaches recruiting kids and like, yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna play at the Southside Ducks this year. And next year, I'm going with the Raiders, and next year, I'm going <laughs> with the Bills. So it trickled all the way down to eight year old football, where you can't even get a kid to stay. You know, when I played with the St. Rock Road Runners in New Orleans back down in the Sixth Ward, I had no thought of going to play for Huntersfield. That was the enemy. You didn't go switch team. You didn't go play for. Harden in the seven war, you know, you stay with St. Rock, whether you won or lost all the way through to you went to junior high. And now it's like kids are just switching from team to team. I mean, mid season, if you would let them and it all started, I blame it all on LeBron James. Once he said, I take my towns to South Beach, the, the transfer portal and colleges filled up. Nobody wants to stay committed to one place from beginning to end and see it through. It's like, Hey, if I can't win here or if it's not going good here before I even try to persevere, I'm out of here. I'm going to the next spot. So and it makes it the, hard. The, the Kevin Durant thing really, to me, just kind of put the icing on the cake. The LeBron thing was pretty bad. But when Kevin Durant, you're an MVP, and then you go with the team that just beat you with the other dude that you was drafted with, your dude, and then you just go to them as a free agent, and they already have an MVP on that team. It's like, how does an MVP go to another MVP that beat him. You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> right, like that, right. At that point, I was like, okay, we're done. This makes no sense. So, you know. Well, the one so that got me. It's, it's really no loyalty to, to the fans. But, yeah, I mean, the teams never really had loyalty to the players either. So, it's just it's just where we are. It's just it's just going to happen. So. Well, the thing, and I want, want to say about Harden, it makes it much more difficult, is that this organization bent over backwards to give him every little thing that he wanted. It was his. It wasn't like... Like, oh, we're not listening to James Harden. They say hey, he he says I want this guy. They go and yeah, get what, that guy. What, what coach you want? You don't want McKay? Okay, who you want? You don't want this player? Who you need? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and that's times. what makes that's Numerous what times. makes it hard. And then you say, well, hey man, I gave you everything. And he's like, it's just well, not see, good I, enough. I still I blame want Harden because Harden should have figured out a way to get KD to come. To Houston, they didn't want to come in. They didn't want. They did not want to come play with him, and that was the rap on him. No one wants. There were free agents that had come and gone, and nobody wanted to team up with him. So again, that was on him. Now he wants to be everybody's All American and be the ultimate team player. But there were free agents that had come and gone, had opportunities to go anywhere. Jimmy Butler and those guys. Nobody wanted to come down here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I thought, I mean, I thought the most logical thing for 
which it worked out anyway with LeBron James. I thought had he come here, it would have definitely been the championship. But he decided to go to L.A. and had that bad year until he was, you know, able to kind of take our players from New Orleans but with Anthony Davis. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought he would have been the guy that could have came here and won the first year he got here. But like you said, I, I guess Harden just has that, you know, whatever whatever it is, it, he didn't have that ability to track high-level free agents. So Exactly. So uh, with that, how can folks reach out to you on social media? Oh, I'm at Erod50 on Instagram and Twitter. And, and just so you know, Saturday morning, man, get up early. It's going to be on Eurosport, the Milan-San Remo. This is one of the classic one-day races, so you got to watch that if you're a cycling fan. I'll be tuned in bright and early with my coffee. Well, you're going to be listening to KTSU Sports Talk, I hope, right? <laughs> I'm, I actually have a show. <laughs> hey, this may even be before you get up on oh, KTSU, man. man. Yeah. I, I'll call in and give you an update on the race. Yeah, do that, and let's see how that goes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Ebron 50 on Twitter, hey man, we appreciate you. And we're going to get back into our routine and hearing from you on a more frequent basis. Oh, absolutely. A lot of good spring sports going on. No doubt. Our guy Eddie Robinson won uh, certainly uh, – Express my appreciation for him, and we'll be hearing from him on a more regular basis like we were previously. But right now, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the podcast. Well, this time out, I want to recognize Matt Rowan. Matt Rowan, and and you've probably heard this story, uh, but I have to throw in my two cents. Matt Rowan did a broadcast. He He was a radio announcer for a high school game in Norman, Oklahoma. And during the course of his broadcast i guess they were in break and the mic was hot and i will say this i have done things with a hot mic (laughs) hot mics will get you in trouble in commercial breaks you think that someone has you off the air and you're not you think the mic is off and it's not and sometimes you say things that you wouldn't say if the mic was on that i get (laughs) this i don't (laughs) because you can have a hot mic and not do what Matt Rowan did. So during the course of his broadcast, which I guess they were in break, like I said, he said he criticized the Norman girls, Norman High School girls basketball team, and said that he hopes that they lose the. And that's just what he said. Now here's a couple of things. Here's his layers to the story. He said this during the national anthem. So, you know, I would imagine that he would consider himself a patriot. And I can almost guarantee you I know who he would have voted for if he voted. And if he did, in fact, vote, I can guarantee you who I think he voted for. I mean, I can almost I would bet my house on it, especially with my pipes damaged. (laughs) So I know he considers himself a patriot. So this patriot utters the N word during the national anthem. Not respecting Anthem, you know, I'm sure he would, I'm sure this is the type of guy that would have had something to say about Colin Kaepernick. And the other part of that is this guy was a former youth pastor. You have a youth pastor, a patriot youth pastor, using the N-word on some high school girls for a high school basketball game. 
This really happened in 2021. I mean, like every since 2016, I know everybody says anything in the world can happen. It's not nothing is a real surprise anymore. Okay, I get it. But again, this is still if you put this in perspective, a youth pastor during the national anthem calling a high school girls game. So he says this, and then he goes on to apologize and said that he would not have made those comments if he was not a type one diabetic. So he's blaming his sugar on a racist rant. That's that's crazy. That's I mean that's a that's a mean ass diabetic, right? So I mean I never heard that one, and of course the folks from the Diabetes Association of some sort uh, denounced that. Said no, you can't blame sugar for being a racist. That's not what we're doing. And uh, so he was fired, properly so. But the dangerous diabetic. Cussing out girls during the national anthem makes him a huge, huge racist and an even bigger big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> unbelievable stuff. But hey, man, um, is it unbelievable? I don't know. I, I, you know. It is what it is, and he earned that Lamont Award ten times over. So he is a big, big dummy. With that, before I let go. Before I let go, hey, I want to thank my man Chatterbox. I want to thank Eddie Robinson. Also, want to thank you guys for tuning in. Our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Of course, our sponsor, Cobank Homes. Want to remind you guys to call the sports line 832-941-6614. 832-941-6614. And, of course, wadeswordproductions.com. Email me uh, if you have music. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. All of those, that good stuff. All of those ways to be a part of interacting with me. In addition to that, Libera Pay. You have to remember Libera Pay. L-I-B-E-R-P-A-Y. Libera Pay. And search for Sports Talk with Devin Wade to make a financial contribution. And above all other things, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs> This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.